Welcome to the Providence Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you'd like to stay connected, download our app Providence Community from your phone's app store or visit our website at providencecommunity.org. So this has been this has been something uh, this has been a, a chapter that has really um, been striking my heart. But if you can direct your attention to verse thirteen and fourteen, here's two verses that I want to share with you this morning. And they say this: I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Anybody? Is that good for you? I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Then it goes on to say in verse 14, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage, and wait for the Lord. So I've been obsessed with these two verses in Psalm 27 for weeks now. They've encouraged me, uh, and they've stirred me, but they've also troubled me. And when you read the Bible and you get troubled by a verse, that's a good thing, and you need to press into that. Uh, you don't shy away from it, and you don't just read everything that, that makes you feel great, uh, but you press into troubling verses until you feel great. And uh, so these, these two verses have encouraged me, and they've stirred me. They've troubled me, though, because here's why. I want to see the goodness of the Lord, but I don't want to wait for it. You know what I mean? I want to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and, and say, yes, what a celebration. And then the advice on how to do that is the next verse that says, wait for the Lord. Uh, be strong, take courage, wait for the Lord. How many people would say, I don't want the kind of goodness that you have to have courage for. I want the easy kind of goodness. I don't want the kind of courage that you have to wait a while for. I want immediate goodness. I know that I'm going to see it in the land of the living. Could the land of the living start now? And there's, there's a certain kind of goodness that God wants to pour out on his church. That's the kind of goodness that a, a farmer has when he plants a seed and he waits for the harvest. And we live in a world that is, that is so, like, if, I, if I'm in line at Chick-fil-A for more than, like, three, three minutes and 15 seconds, I'm talking to the boss, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, what? There's, there's the kind of goodness we're so used to drive-through kind of blessings, and we have lost the ability to wait for them. We have, we have lost the ability, we've settled for, the, for small goodnesses instead of large ones that come when courage is possessed and operate in goodness that happens a decade from now, not 10 minutes from now. So Psalm 27, 13, 14, it's been, it's been wrecking me good and good ways, hard ways. And one of the things that I'm seeing as I'm reading the Bible is I'm seeing the word wait pop up everywhere, and I'm, I'm recognizing that waiting, waiting script, biblically, scripturally, is more common in the Bible than I am comfortable with. I'm just not comfortable with how much the, the, uh, the Lord tells us to wait. We understand the concept, like I've said, in, in certain ways, in certain worldly ways, I understand the concept as, as a parent. If my daughter, Lena, let's say, says, hey, Daddy, give me the keys to the car. I'm ready to drive. I say, hey, uh, you're not ready to drive. You need to wait till you're 16 slash 25 uh, slash whenever you can handle it. Uh, if you have a lead foot like your mom, uh, we're going to have to get you counseling. Uh, and we're going to have to just kind of hang with you. And you know as a parent, that is the kind of waiting um, that is good and that is acceptable waiting. And we totally get that. How about this? We're blessing people. Who's showing up on Tuesday to bless this region with turkeys? Amen? Right? Okay. Pray about that. 
because we need more than three, all right? Hey, do you know that, that God has called us to be a city on a hill? And that's not talking about the location of our facility, okay? Um, yeah, just because we have a building on a hill doesn't mean we are a city on a hill. Um, a city on a hill is a church that is alive, not just to worship, but to the, but to the street expression of it, and that is good works being poured out of the body as a result of what happens in here. What we do in here has to hit the streets out there. And so if we can come here and worship, but we can't deliver frozen turkeys to people on Tuesday, come on now, all right? We have to hit the streets. We have to hit the streets. And so, but anyway, as we take turkeys on Thanksgiving, here's the kind of waiting. As much as we think a turkey should be cooked in five minutes, we know that it's not. And we know that we will poison everybody if we try to cook it for five minutes, then serve it. And if that's consumed, this, your Thanksgiving's going to be rough, all right? The kind of waiting for when something is in process, waiting till it's done to eat it, is extremely important. And we get this when it comes to turkeys and driver's license is. But here's some troubling things, is this. How about losing weight? I lost almost 13 pounds this week. Okay? This week. Can you tell? Somebody. Encourage me. Anybody? Stepped on the scale this morning. Uh, like 12.6 pounds down. Okay? And it's because I'm operating in a kingdom principle called delayed gratification. I'm looking at Stromboli while everybody else is consuming it like heathens, all right? I, I, I like to call them bad names. Helps me to resist. Uh, but when, when everybody's eating Stromboli, I say, I'm going to eat that Stromboli. But it's not my Stromboli season right now. I'm waiting. Hello. So I get to step on the scale and say, wow, 12.6 pounds down. I'll have it again, just not this season I'm waiting. Now, that's the kind of waiting that's troubling. That's the kind of waiting that God's calling us to do because God, listen, God wants to give us blessings in the land of the living, and he wants to pour them out like a good father in big portions, not just small. If you're getting bored with your Christian life, it's because you're so impatient that you only receive the small ones. And so God wants us to walk into seasons where we're willing to plant seeds now that we will harvest then that will come with massive reward. And it's called waiting. Many of us are, at a, are in a place where we're believing God radically for something. Anybody? Hit your neighbor if that's you. Say, that's me, girl. And if, if that's not your wife, apologize right now, all right? Um, but many of us are in a place where we're believing God radically. Um, many of us are in a place, because I'm not guessing on this. I know this because I know many of you, and I know that many of you know many of the other ones that I don't know. And I know that this is a season where God's pouring out many, many radical dreams but we're sensing, there's people that are sensing a great call on their life, and they're admitting it for the first time. They're saying, if I'm a son of God, if I'm a daughter of the kingdom, then maybe I'm not trash. Maybe I have a destiny. And many of us are walking into that, and I think that is fantastic. Some of us are having leadership uh, callings, missions callings, where our heart is burning for the nations and to spread the gospel to ears that have never heard Jesus. Some of us are operating in dreams and, uh, and, and, uh, and being led into endeavors that look stupid in a worldly way, but in a kingdom way, they're going to be fantastic. Some of us are here are standing on prov uh, promises, and you've been standing on promises for, for days and weeks and months and years, maybe decades, and you're standing, and you're not backing down. 
But one of the temptations that comes when, you're, when there is a delayed promise or a delayed dream or a delayed something that you've been waiting on, that you have a conversation potentially with God like this. God, I'm standing on your promise. God, I'm standing, holding on to your calling. God, I'm believing you for the dream. God, I'm believing for the miracle. God, I'm believing you radically. I'm just wondering where you are. Just wondering where you are. Wondering where you've been. Wondering if you're ever going to show up in my future. Let me talk about waiting here, guys, and let me drive some, uh, some, some uh, nails into our theology when it comes to waiting. Listen to this. It's not where God is. He's always near. He promises to never leave you or forsake you. He sticks closer than the brother. So when if you're standing on a promise, you're saying, God, where are you? I've been here. I'm standing. Where are you? Where are you? It's not where God is. He's near. It's where you are. And many of you are just in a place called the waiting. You hear this? It's not where God is. He's near. When you're waiting, God didn't say, here's a promise. Why don't you hang on to it? I'm off. I'll be back in seven years. He's there with you cooking you in the waiting. It's cooking you in the waiting. I'm not going to let people eat what I'm cooking yet five minutes in. There's going to be a feast, but there's a season of waiting that has to come first. It's not where God is. He's near. It's where you are in the waiting. You're in a waiting season. Let me describe to you a waiting season. A waiting season is not a season where God abandons you and you just have to learn to make do, all right? That is not what a waiting season is. Unscriptural, unbiblical. That is a, a hellish lie from the enemy. God's not abandoned you. He promises he won't, okay? He doesn't abandon you in the waiting. Waiting is not sitting around passively, uh, waiting is, is not saying, hey, God, you said you'd do this. I'm standing on your promises while you're binge-watching binge Netflix on the couch every day. That's not waiting, friends. That's something else. Did someone just shush me? <laughs> well, you're going to have to talk to Jesus about that, all right? Yeah, and maybe surrender Netflix. I don't know, or Hulu. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But waiting is not sitting around, sitting around passively. Uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a, a, waiting is a refusal to move forward into a godless future. You hear this? It's, I'm not going to walk into a future where I have to crash down the door. I will walk through fathers put their foots in doors. And we say, when the father opens a door, when he opens a window, when he says, go through that manhole, we do that. But we don't bash down walls on our own. That's not waiting. That's forcing, and you're going to have a shipwreck in that way. It's not a season where God abandons you. It's not a season where you sit around passively. It's a refusal. It's a heart posture to move forward into a godless future. Um, waiting is planting seeds that will be harvested later. I'm planting now for what I need then. It's a law called sowing and reaping. So what you see in your future that you're going to need then, you need to plant now or you won't get it in your future. Okay? This is what waiting is. Waiting is, is not getting you to new places. It's preparing you for new places. Do you hear this? Waiting is not like, God, when are you going to give me that? God, when are you going to take me this? Waiting is cooking you. Waiting is, is, is making you able to 
operate in the weight of your future anointing. This is what waiting is. It's not getting you somewhere, it's getting you somewhere. A waiting season is a pioneering season. But it's not necessarily marked on the outside by by you taking hills and stuff happening. A waiting season is a pioneering season where the hills God is taking are in you, not necessarily around you. So we all have these mountains and these hills, and we, we've, we've crafted, crafted a Christianity where we get so excited about people that have hills here and take hills there. But what the church needs to reorient around is when somebody's getting healed, delivered, and set free on the inside, you recognize they're taking down mountains in their future, not small goodnesses right now. This is what waiting is. So the question in a waiting season is not, Will God keep his promise? There, there's no if about that, my friends. God, God's word never returns void. God is not a liar. He cannot be mocked. What he says, he will in fact do. His yes is yes and his no is no. This is God, okay? So it's not if, if he will, but the question in a waiting season is will I be ready to, to walk in his promises when he does? is a question in a waiting season. I was talking to uh, one of my friends this week that I really, I've seen a calling on his life uh, for a long, long time, and he and I over the years have been processing what does that look like practically in ministry, because he's not in a place necessarily where he's ministering within the four walls of the church, though he's been a pastor to me. And I got a picture of a tea bag steeping, and you don't put a tea bag in hot water for one second and pull it out because it doesn't do its job. I got a picture, I, and I just, I just called this, by, this guy by name and said, I really believe that, that you're steeping. You're in a waiting season. God gave that to me. Do you know that he does do that? All right. The amen stopped suddenly when I was talking to you about my picture. But uh, um, well, rarely do waiting seasons feel great, but they're all over the Bible because they're so necessary and important. Um, God is not looking for quick fixes. He's looking for giant killers, amen? And so, uh, so he wants to raise you up. Do you know that, that there's massive biblical examples? And so let me get some of the big daddies and mamas out of the way, and then we can press into this later if you guys want to and if God leads us in this way. But do you know that Noah had a massive waiting season? Do you know when God came and said, hey, Noah, I'm giving you a promise. I'm wiping out the world with H2O. Okay, I want you to build an ark. Well, the ark started, the, 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 the completion of the ark took years. It's a waiting season. He's not, he's not binge watching. He's literally building in his waiting season to, because that's what you do. You plant seeds. The seed was the ark. And so in his waiting season, he's building, he's building, he's building. And then the Bible says that God closed him in. He with, he with all the animals. And then do you know, the, the earth flooded and it didn't last for a week. He wasn't 12.6 pounds down in seven days. He was actually in the, in the ark for a year and 20 days and he came out on the 27th day, which 27 is everywhere, man. I'm telling you, my birthday's 27th, it's everywhere. Anybody here 27? Cool. You know, anyway, I don't know. Uh, the, uh, yeah, so the, the, uh, the, the, they, came, they come out on the 27th day, but that's after, after they've been trapped in an ark for a year and 20. And so you wonder, like, God, could you make this fast? And God's answer is, no, I'm cooking you in the ark. Cooking you in the ark. 
and the whole world will be repopulated with your seed of faith called the ark and your obedience that you operated in, but it's just not your time. When I first started Providence, I, you know, it was just coming off of, of what I really thought was, was massive uh, success in youth ministry, and I, I think it really was. Anybody here from the Pulse in those days? Anybody? Can I get a shout from anybody? Okay, a few of you. Yeah, there we go. Uh, saw so many kids come to Jesus, and we grew from a, a youth ministry about, of like 12 kids uh, to hundreds. I was like, well, man, as soon as the world knows that Philip Herndon and Nathan Herndon are starting a church called Providence, we're going to grow to a thousand year one. (laughs) And praise God we didn't. (laughs) We would have hurt a lot of people more than we already have. Um, You know, and uh, because God has to cook you. As a 27-year-old, I was 27 when Providence started. Hello. Um, uh, um, I wasn't ready. I had to be cooked. Still not ready. I'm cooking. Cooking. When you eat this turkey, <laughs> it's going to be good. I'm telling you, you haven't even eaten it yet. You have not even eaten my cooking yet, okay? It's going to be fantastic. You got to cook a while. Do you know that, that God promised Abraham and Sarah a son, and they waited year after year after year after year, and then they took matters into their old uh, hands and screwed up their whole legacy. And they just said, I'm tired of waiting. I want to do it my way. No, Father opens doors for you to walk in. You don't get to invent which door gets open in what season. You need to cook. Luke chapter 2. I love this. There's a little preached about man and a little preached about prophetess woman named Anna, Simeon and Anna. In Luke chapter 2, and basically here's what was happening in Luke chapter 2. It's, uh, this is beautiful. I, I, I might read it a little. Look at 2.25. It's not on the screen. Just listen or turn or ask Google if you have to. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, verse 26, and had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And, and he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents, um, actually, I'm not getting to the, the part that just says that, that Simeon was very old. So he'd been waiting for the consolation, in other words, the Messiah, the one who would console Israel. He, he'd been waiting all of his life, standing on a promise, not leaving the temple till it happened. This is how God works. And then you run into a, a lady named Anna who was, uh, who was married as a, as a teenager, as they did back then. And then her husband died uh, seven years into their marriage. Let's, let's call her 24. And now she is 84, and she's still in the temple prophesying and doing, doing this, um, uh, worshiping and fasting the, the, uh, to the Lord day and night on the promise that she would see the Messiah. Look at this, verse 38, chapter 2. And coming up at that very hour, she began as Anna to give thanks to God, to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Waiting is all over the scriptures. You have to cook, and sometimes it's 60 years. God will tell you something when you're 24. 60 years later, you get to bite that. You get to eat that fruit. But do, do you want instant gratification, or do you want to be the real deal? This is the question. Do you know what Jesus told his disciples when he was ascending into heaven? Do you know this? You you guys do know that Jesus didn't die, don't you? 
chapter 1, verse 4, and while staying with them, he, this is Jesus, ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I don't want to send you into a ruthless, dark world that needs light before you have the light in you. And so, so many of us were like, I've got a leader anointing. Give me people to shepherd. And then you mess their lives. Because you weren't, you weren't cooked enough. You weren't cooked enough. Even Jesus, who is perfect, lived 30 years, ministered three. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, they asked him, what would you do different if you could redo your life? He said, I would cook more and minister less. And they called that man honey lips. Not because he was a great kisser like myself, <laughs> but because he was, he was the, the prince of preachers. This is, this, is the, this is it. The worst thing that you can do in a, in a waiting season is rush it. Force doors open. Take positions that you're not ready for. Uh, not submit to the mothers and fathers over you. Make them feel bad for not giving you authority. If your mothers and fathers are saying you can't have the keys to the car yet, you need to do one of these things that the Bible also talks about. That's called submit and trust the people put over you. I'm not reacting to anything here, I'm not. I have, I have, there's not one situation in my life that I need to speak to now and I'm offhandedly doing this, I promise I'm not. It is a kingdom principle that we need to internalize. Where we come, and we come to the people that God's put over our lives and we, and, and we ask questions. We don't declare what we're going to do. And say, God told me, like, but there's this thing called community. And if God gives you a word, he's going to confirm it in community. You better have mothers and fathers in your life telling you, like, hold on a second, hold on a second, hold on a second. Like, you're a massive turkey. <laughs> Take that as a compliment, all right? When they say that, you're, you're the biggest bird I've ever seen. <laughs> you're not half done cooking, Holmes. Not half done cooking. Not half done cooking. You have to sit at Jesus' feet and get obsessed with him instead of your stage. You have to, you have to, you have to love the presence of God more than, uh, in your life more than the calling of God on your life. You can't be excited about where God's taking you. You need to be excited about God here. 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 And when a person can say, I don't need stages. I just love being a son. Love being a child. I don't need stages to, to speak to my identity. My identity is found at off stages in back corners, in secret places, in nooks at Jesus' feet. I, I don't get my identity from what people say I've heard with my own ears from the Father. Man, that sounds like you're about ready to cook. Now, I'm not saying you don't use your gifts. I'm not saying any of that. Sometimes part of your cooking is getting out and serving. If you have a speaking gift, it's always great to go serve in the nursery. <laughs> well, what about my stage? <laughs> if you can't do this, man, you'll never get there. Maybe another church. If you want to go to another church where they don't know you, blast in there. I, but at this church where, we, where you're known and you can't sneak, you've got to change diapers. But I'm a man. Exactly. Exactly. 
There's too much of you in you. You need to steep more, cook more. You're a big turkey. You need the juice out. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That just means I know that I know that I know that I know that God wants to bless me now because he's a good dad. Okay? That needs to be restored to the body. It's not just heaven's coming. We're going to kind of we're going to binge watch Netflix and just shy away from the world, you know, create some conspiracy theories. Just yell at people. You know, with pseudonyms on, on, the, on you know, social. <laughs> I'm only saying that because that's just what the church is known for. But the church is not known for people necessarily. It's, it's happening. It's happening. And I want to ride that wave. I want that the wind, the wind is in the sails, friends. Where we're coming out of that. Into the church being known for people that are bonkers for Jesus again. That are willing to cook that operate, that know how to operate under authority, that, that know what it is, that I have an identity that I don't have to earn. It's bestowed. A waiting season is a deposit season. A waiting season is a deposit season where God is filling you with everything you need to see his goodness now so he can use you in maximum capacity then. What the enemy wants in a season of waiting is to discourage you and get you questioning the goodness of God. So two weeks ago, um, I'm, uh, when David Leach was here, and he tore it up. I love that guy playing the keys, singing over everybody. He's so sweet, all right? And uh, but we're praying over him out, uh, out back, and my sister-in-law, Carrie, uh, comes back and just announces, hey, Nathan, your wife was just in a, a car accident. She totaled the car. The girls were in the car with her. So I, I, I grabbed Keith and said, Keith, have fun with these people. I'm out with my family. And then, so I, I go to the scene. My wife got blamed for an accident that wasn't just on her shoulders. And uh, she, uh, I'm going to spare you the details, but our entire minivan crumpled. The girls got, the, my wife, uh, the, the ladies in my life got trapped in the thing. All the, you know, nine airbags went off, all the airbag smoke and the crying and all this stuff. It's kind of traumatizing. And... Um, next morning I'm on the phone with Steve Lattice saying brother hook me up you know? and as I'm on the phone with him I get a knock at the door this 8 in the morning um, and, uh, and it was my neighbor uh, holding a piece of my truck saying a car just smashed into your truck your truck's out so not even 24 hours both of our vehicles were gone and we, we just got to operate in this wonderful gift called surrender Jesus take them they weren't our joy anyway but what the enemy was trying to do, as, I, as I'm still fighting with uh, insurances and all these different things, who loves to talk to insurance people, anybody? Oh, man, they're such a pleasant gift. Um, but what, what, the Lord, uh, what, what the enemy, not the Lord, what the enemy was trying to do is he was trying to discourage me and say, you've been in Psalm 27. Surely you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, and you're standing on that promise, and your life's just getting harder. Maybe God's not as good as he says it is. That is an ancient lie. Happened in Genesis 1 in the garden. That's an apple that was bitten. What God wants to, wants to do in this season is, is he wants to show you, despite what happens to you, he wants to grow you. He wants to grow your hope. He wants to grow your expectation. He wants to grow your strength. Um, sometimes some of the stuff that we, that we come through, um, like car accidents and uh, things like that, sometimes they're going to speak a more powerful word over us than, the, than God wants to speak into us. 
And so the day of the car accident, my, my youngest, Lena, she's, every time she closes her eyes, she, she sees the accident and she sees her mom crying and she sees the pain and she sees the concern and she feels it again. She couldn't even sleep. And so Caleb and Bethany Kinsley come over. <laughs> Drum roll. And Caleb sits down with Lena and says, Lena, I want you, I know this is going to be hard. I want you to remember the accident. Are you doing that? Close your eyes. She's remembering the accident. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's nervous. And Caleb says, do you see the accident? Okay, I want you to look around the car. And then he asks a question. He goes, where's Jesus? And Lena says, oh, there he is. He's right in the middle. Oh, oh really? Oh, really? Come, really? Dude, that was healing oil for our whole family. You mean God didn't step away in our moment? You mean waiting on God's goodness doesn't mean whether we understand it now or not? It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that we're in this by ourselves. It means that Jesus is right in the middle. Maybe that's why our car crumpled, but there wasn't a scratch on one individual. Is that really why? Is that really why? He's right in the middle. Listen, you need to you need to hear this. Isaiah 40, 31. They who wait. For the Lord. Listen, not they who wait for something else. There's one thing that you wait for. One person that you wait for, and his name is Jesus. His name is Yahweh. Those who wait for Yahweh shall renew their strength. There's a promise for you. If you wait, how do you get strength? You wait. How do you get courage? Psalm 27, 14 says, you, it's in the waiting. That's, that's how, that's where. They, and here's another promise. Those who wait shall mount up with wings like eagles. So waiting doesn't hold us back. It gives us wings to fly. Can you hear this? God is not holding you back in a season of waiting. He is preparing you for your release is what he's doing. So I just pray this morning a new wave of grace to wait. How many want that? How many want that today? If you want that, stand right to your feet. Stand right to your feet this day. So Lord, as we stand to our feet, we ask for a new grace to wait. A new grace to wait. God, we're, uh, we, we, we cry tears of repentance this day where we've tried to rush the process and question your goodness. We're so tired of living like that. It's not about us, it's about you. You get to say when we're done cooking. And we will trust you, trust you, trust you, trust you, trust you until you pull us out and release us. So God, we just, just say, breathe revival onto us again. New supernatural ability to wait on each person, bless people. If this has been a place, God, where discouragement has come, thank you that it's leaving right now. All the discouragement that I'm not seeing, that's untrue. All the discouragement that God promised me something, but he's a liar, that's not true. All of your promises, God, are yes and amen, and it's just wait, it's a waiting season. God's making you better than you could possibly know. Receive that. Be blessed by that. Amen, church? Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that this word will bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places.